Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Dunkel Index Podcast. I'm Ben Dunkel, and joining me as always is a guy who the NCAA president referred to as an existential threat. That is my dad, Bob Dunkel. Uh, th- thanks, Ben. Um, I don't think the NCAA has anything to worry about. I don't think there's many people lining up to pay for my likeness. In fact, if anything, uh, they'll probably be paying me not to show my likeness. So I think the NCAA is safe on that account. All right. So, um, yeah, looking back at week six really quickly, uh, anything you want to take note of? Yeah, you know, I, I Ohio State continues to roll. Um, another big win for the Buckeyes and uh, Justin Fields. Uh, they rolled over Michigan State 34 to 10. So they've leapfrogged over Alabama in the latest Uncle Index rankings. That's now Clemson and Ohio State 1-2. Alabama was idle last week, so they're at number three. So I know the pollsters all have Alabama number one. Uh, Clemson got dinged a little bit for that close call against North Carolina. But I tell you, keep your eyes on Ohio State. They continue to roll. Uh, I don't see anybody knocking them off uh, this year in the Big Ten. So they seem playoff bound and look to be ready to do some damage. Of course, the big game last week was the Auburn-Florida game, and we weren't believers uh, in Florida coming in. They hadn't played a very strong schedule, even though it was at home in the swamp. Uh, we were in agreement with the uh, sports books that Auburn was the stronger team coming in, and boy, were we wrong on that one. Florida's defense really came to play. They shut down Auburn. 24-13. So they moved up to number eight, and I think are, are very much in the national picture right now. And of course, have the big game uh, this upcoming week. No rest for the Gators. They've got to turn around and go to Baton Rouge, which I think is a nice way to introduce our new 10 to talk about. And that is a perfect segue into our 10 to talk about this week where we'll start off with Florida at LSU. Florida is 6-0 and overall. They're 3-3 three and three against the spread. And number eight in the index now against LSU, who's 5-0 and overall, 4-1 and against the spread, and just ahead of UF at number seven in the index. So the question is here, uh, can Florida stand up to LSU? Yeah, it's a great question, Ben. Um, I mean, they certainly showed that they could against Auburn last week, but that was in the swamp. It's a little different environment uh, heading into Baton Rouge on a Saturday night. It has interrupted many a good season for teams coming in uh, facing the Tigers on a Saturday night. So we will see. But I tell you, last week was very impressive by the Gators. Um, certainly, LaMichael P. Ryan's 88-yarder was the backbreaker for the Tigers. And I love talking about that just because it allows me to mentioned uh, the longest TD run the, the Gators have had since 1988, and that happened to be Emmett Smith, 96-yarder. So anytime you're, you get to put your name in the record books next to Emmett Smith uh, is a pretty good day. But the real headline coming out of that game was, was Florida's defense, which totally shut down the Tigers' offense. Uh, David Reese and John Grenard had Big games for, for the Gators, and they, they held the Tiger offense at just 269 yards, and they converted only two of 14 third downs. So Bo Nix, who had looked so good 
the first couple of weeks and really had Auburn on the rise. Um, couldn't deliver uh, down in Gainesville. His father, Patrick Nix, who I remember well, uh, pulled the upset back in 1994, uh, but there was no upset uh, in this one. In fact, I, let me stand corrected. There was an upset because Auburn, of course, was the favor coming in, but uh, the Gators held their own at home and uh, kept their perfect record intact. So they had the LSU feeling very good, but this is a, a Tiger team that continues to put up huge numbers. It seems like every week Joe Burrow's rewriting the LSU record books. Last Saturday, he became the first LSU quarterback to throw for 300 yards in four straight games. Tigers easily romped over Utah State. Pretty good Aggies team, um, but 42-6 to six, uh, it was not even a contest. So Burrow now has 22 TD passes on the year and uh, was the third time that he's thrown at least five in a game. So he stands just six short of the uh, school record, and they still have seven games to play. So this is a classic great offense. Meets a great defense. And on this one, the Dunkel Index is siding with the defense. Um, the line is LSU by 13. I think it's crept up to 13 and a half in some spots. No doubt, uh, LSU's been a cover machine so far, four and one against the spread. But we think Florida's defense can keep them in this game and certainly within the 13 point line. Florida's 10 and 3 against the spread in its last 13 games following a win. And the Tigers have not had great success against the Gators at home. In fact, they're just 3 and 7 against the spread in their last 10 games against Florida there in Tiger Stadium. So, Dunkel margin is only one point. We think this one's going to go right down to the wire. The Gator defense will keep them in the game. If Kyle Trask and the offense can uh, put up enough points, uh, this should be LSU's first big test of the season. Uh, we'll take the Gators plus the 13. Okay. Now, moving on to our next game, it's Oklahoma versus Texas. And Texas is a team that we've kind of talked about a lot this year. Oklahoma is 5-0 and overall. They're 3-2 and against the spread, number five in the index. Texas is 4-1 and overall. They're 3-2 and against the spread, and they're number 12 in the index. The line in this one is Oklahoma by 11. Uh, but what do you think? Yeah, we have talked about Texas a lot. In fact, we focused a lot of attention on them back in week two when they played uh, the very same LSU Tigers. Uh, they hosted them. And we uh, went out on a limb and took took Texas in that one, and it came up short uh, by a point. Uh, so we're sticking our neck out a little bit again in this one. Uh, Oklahoma has been on a roll, much much like LSU, although they did Look a little bit more mortal last week against Kansas. Maybe it was just going into Lawrence didn't excite them. Maybe uh, it was the hangover from the Snoop Dogg performance. Uh, I don't know what was going on there, but it wasn't the usual uh, Jalen Hurts show that it had been in, in weeks past. They came out of there with a 45-20 win, did not cover the spread, although they, they did extend their uh, road winning streak to 22 straight, which is the second longest 
in the FBS uh, since World War II. So uh, Sooners, no doubt, have uh, been very strong in going on the road and, and coming away with wins. Texas uh, also had a good win on the road last week. They went into Morgantown, uh, kind of a tricky game against a Mountaineers team that has not been as bad as maybe some people had expected. Uh, Sam Ellinger, their quarterback, um, hasn't been putting up Jalen Hurts type numbers, but he's been more than holding his own. He had another solid game with two TD passes and two more running last week. And maybe more importantly for Tom Herman, uh, in this upcoming game, his defense looked pretty good and picked off Austin Kendall four times. So on this one, we've got um, a spread that, as you said, Ben, is up to 11 points. Um, but boy, we, we like Texas in the, in the uh, shootout. Uh, they've been 6-0 and against the spread in the last six ga- uh, shootout games between the two teams. Uh, the Dunkel Index margin is only seven and a half on this one. So we will take the Longhorns plus the points to keep this one close. All right, moving on to our next game. We have Colorado at Oregon. Colorado's three and two overall, three and two against the spread and sit at number 67 in the index. Oregon's four and one overall, two and three against the spread and number 14 in the index. The line in this one is a whopping 20.5. What do you think? Yeah, I threw this one in there. It's a little Friday night action. It's not much of a a weeknight card. This one probably stands out as the best of the bunch. Um, And the Pac-12, it's kind of been falling apart. Um, Washington lost last week. Of course, USC, we've well documented the uh, troubles that they've had. Um, Utah suffered a, a loss uh, a few weeks back. Stanford just hasn't been uh, the same program it's been in uh, years past. So the Ducks are kind of uh, the team to beat right now. Um, their only loss, of course, came in that week one against Auburn um, on a last-second play. So they're looking decent. Um, they didn't really impressed too many people last week with their win over Cal only put up 17 points which with Justin Herbert at quarterback you're kind of scratching your head as to how how that could happen and I don't think Herbert's exactly padding his stats uh in his attempt to win the Heisman but he did throw uh, a TD pass and extended his uh FBS best 33 straight games with at least one touchdown pass so that was kind of the highlight in what was an otherwise kind of ho-hum game against the Golden Bears. Uh, the Buffaloes have uh, been racked by injuries in the last couple of weeks. Um, there's All-America receiver LaVishka Chenault has been sidelined, but they've also lost a couple of key defenders. But to Mel Tucker's credit, the Buffs uh, have been uh, competitive. Um, they couldn't pull out a win against Arizona last week, but they, they did lead late in the fourth quarter before losing, uh, to the Wildcats 35 to 30. So on this one, uh, Oregon has not been very good following wins. In fact, they're just six, 17 and one against the spread in their last 24 games after a victory. So 20 and a half points looks too high on this one, even there at Autzen. 
Uh, we're going to take the buffs. Uh, the dunkel margin is 17 and a half. So uh, we like Colorado plus the points in this one. All right. Next up is the other USC. It's South Carolina at Georgia. South Carolina's two and three overall this year. They're three and two against the spread, and they're number 52 in the index. UGA is five and zero overall, three and two against the spread, and they're actually number four in the index. So the line here is Georgia by twenty four and a half. What do you see? Yeah, that's a pretty big line for you know what in the past has been a pretty competitive rivalry, but definitely reflects uh, where the two teams have been. Um, you know, South Carolina. Felt good coming into this bye week this past week uh, after beating Kentucky, um, which in years past wasn't anything necessarily to write home about. But for uh, the Gamecocks, that snapped a five-game losing streak against the Wildcats and also a six-game losing streak against uh, Power 5 opponents. So kind of talks to uh, you know where the Gamecock program has been in uh, recent weeks. But the uh, Bulldogs program is exactly the opposite right now. They just continue to roll. They went into Rocky Top, or as we like to call them now, Rocky Bottom, uh, and manhandled Tennessee. It was a slow start for the Bulldogs. They poured it on in the second half, scored the final 33 points, and came out of there with a 43-14 to win. Uh, the running game, everybody knows about Jake Fromm at quarterback, but their running game behind Brian Herrien and DeAndre Swift has been electric as well, and they outgained the uh, Volunteers 238 to 70. So Georgia can pretty much move the ball at will. Uh, the Gamecocks do not have that advantage. Uh, Georgia comes into this 7-0 against the spread in their last seven games after putting up more than 450 total yards. So when the offense is clicking, good things have happened for the Bulldogs. And the favorite in this series is seven and two against the spread in the last nine games. So as you said, Georgia is a 24 and a half point favorite. Uh, we think that's a little low. Uh, uncle margin is a 27 and a half. So we're actually going to take the bulldogs and lay the 24 and a half. All right. So that brings us to our next game. It's Alabama at Texas A&M. Alabama is five and zero overall this year, just two and three against the spread though. And they're number three in the index. Texas A&M, 3-2 overall, also 3-2 against the spread, and they sit at number 18 in the index. The line here is Alabama by 17. What do you think? Yeah, you know, that 2-3 and three against the spread for Alabama has got to frustrate uh, folks out there because, boy, it seems like every week they're just putting up these huge numbers and rewriting the record book. Uh, they had a bye last week, but... The week before, Tua threw uh, five more touchdown passes uh, to uh, Devontae Smith. I mean, Devontae Smith is their number three receiver, but uh, five TD catches, 221 yards in the first half alone uh, before he broke the school record with 274. So, and I think Tua ended up passing A.J. McCarron uh, in the record books for most combined TDs passing and running. So, you know, you you scratch your head. You're like, ah, boy, they're, they're just putting up points by the droves. But then, you know, 59-31 win over Ole Miss 
they didn't cover the line there. And so only two and three against the spread. The Aggies would love to have the problems, though, that the Crimson Tide are having right now in terms of just you know, being unable to cover a spread. Um, it's It's been a really tough start for Jimbo Fisher's year. A lot of high expectations coming in, but they had two quick losses to Clemson and Auburn. And then two weeks ago, I should say, because they also coming off of a bye week. Um, you know, they played Arkansas, and that's that's a, always been a good rivalry game. They pulled Southwest Conference opponents there. But Arkansas is such a down team right now, and they were a 23-point favorite going up against the Razorbacks. And the Razorbacks gave, gave them all they could handle uh, before – A&M was finally able to put him away in the very end and come out with a 31-27 win. So I think it's starting to look like, you know, Jimbo's Fisher's team just doesn't have what people thought they had coming in and and aren't really clicking. Uh, They're just one in five against the spread in their last six SEC games. So have not been playing very well in their conference schedule. And I know that pains you, Ben, because I know you've always really liked Jimbo, and especially the way he left your alma mater down there at NFSU, uh, well stocked, and we'll we'll soon be talking about your your Seminoles again. But it, it's just not looking like a, a memorable year for the Aggies right now. So that could certainly change on Saturday. Nothing like a, an upset win uh, over Alabama. Just ask Johnny Football what that can do for you. But uh, don't see that one this weekend. Uh, as you mentioned, the line is seventeen. Uh, in College Station, that sounds high for a road game, especially against a team, again, that has only covered two out of its five games against the spread. But we are sticking with the tide here. Uh, Dunkel Index has the margin at 20.5 on this one. So we like the Crimson Tide to go in and uh, beat the Aggies and cover the 17. So Jimbo Fisher, uh, another tough loss. Uh, Let's see how FSU does uh, next uh, this week against Clemson. So, yeah, that brings us to our next game, which is Florida State at Clemson. FSU is 3-2 and two overall. They're 2-2-1 two, two and one now against the spread. And an auspicious number 66 in the index. They're up against Clemson, who's 5-0 and oh overall, 3-2 and two against the spread. And they sit at number one in the index. The line here is Clemson by 27, but uh, what do you think? Yeah, 66, that's uh, appropriate for Halloween time. Um, It would be nice if the Seminoles could dress up as a real football team for Halloween this year. (laughs) Uh, Sorry about that dig on your Knowles there. Actually, and it's not justified the last couple weeks, Florida State has looked better. Uh, They beat Louisville and NC State, although, you know, there were days when That was a given. Um, They certainly wouldn't be crowing about that. But it was the first back-to-back conference wins for the Knowles since November of 2016. So they uh, are at least playing a little better in their ACC schedule right now. Um, The Wisconsin transfer, Alex Hornbrook, has looked decent at quarterback. He filled in for James Blackman last week, threw for a career-high 316 yards, and three TDs in their 31-13 win over NC State. But NC State and Louisville, not Clemson. Uh, Clemson had a week off. 
think Dabo probably used it to his advantage. Uh, when last we left the Tigers, they were squeaking out that win against North Carolina. Still think Mac Brown did the right thing for, by going for two there at the end, don't you, Ben? Sorry, I'm still reeling from November 2016. <laughs> yeah, November 20. I know, isn't that amazing? Um, so you know, they, they the Tigers kept it uh, kept it together, got the win, uh, suffered a little bit in the polls, but kept its number one ranking in the Dunkel Index. So coming into this one, uh, FSU. No surprise, just five, eleven, and three against the spread in their last nineteen against teams with a winning record. So I've uh, not been playing well against stronger opponents. And Clemson is nine and two against the spread in its last eleven home games against the Seminoles. So they've been taking uh, advantage of FSU shortcomings in recent years. Uh, this one, the Vegas line is up to twenty-seven, which on inconceivable, I should say, uh, in years past, but seems about right on this one. The Dunkel index margin has the Tigers by 30. Uh, so we are going to take the Tigers and lay the 27. Clemson rebounds from uh, a near miss against uh, North Carolina and dominates, uh, the tie or dominates the Seminoles at home in uh, Death Valley. Can't blame you. Now, on that one, I think it's been a nice little two-game run for the Knowles, but it's about to come to the end. So uh, good news for Tallahassee fans. Jimbo Fisher suffers a loss this weekend. Bad news for Tallahassee fans. Uh, FSU loses yet again. I don't know if a two-game winning streak should be called a run. Maybe it's like a sprint or a jog, but not much of a run. A mini-trend. A little micro blip. <laughs> micro blip. So, yes. Um, but that micro blip is about to come to an end. And I did All see, right. what is it? Um, Taggart's going to go with the two quarterback system this week. I think he's going to play both. Mm, famous Black last words. Blackman's back. Yes, I know. I'm. I'm like, okay, on top of everything else, uh, you're going to go with the two quarterback system, which... What is the Instead of laying it all on the table, laying it half on the table, evenly yeah. spread, 50-50. I mean, I guess it did work in Alabama with Tua and, and, and Hertz to some extent, but even in the end, Tua became the quarterback. Um, so right. it, was, you know, it was moment to moment. It wasn't pre-planned. Um, no, maybe that, we got to go back to that Chris That sounds like a desperation Lee, move. Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. But so, yeah, it, you know, if you've got the talent, it can work. I think this sounds like a recipe for disaster and probably makes their evening in Death Valley that, that much more painful. A fate worse than death. Yeah. All right, so next up we have Michigan State at Wisconsin. Michigan State's 4-2 and two overall, 2-4 two and four against the spread, and number 31 in the index. Wisconsin's 5-0 and overall, 4-1 and against the spread, and number 10 in the index. The line in this one is Wisconsin by 10.5, but can Sparty keep it close? Well, I, I think I said last week, uh, in a build up to the Ohio State game, that if Michigan State could score 10 points, they might be able to keep it within the spread. Well, they hit that 10, 
Uh, it's about as much as Michigan State's offense can squeeze out these days, but it still wasn't enough to cover the spread as Ohio State put 34 up. And as we mentioned in the opener, Justin Fields continues to look very good at quarterback. And J.K. Dobbins had a great game with 172 yards and a score. So Michigan State's defense uh, didn't make it easy, kept Spartans in the game for quite a while, but in the end, uh, they couldn't cover, couldn't couldn't put enough points on the board. Putting points on the board not a problem Wisconsin has had lately. They uh, took full advantage of their MAC opponent last week, Kent State, rolled to a 48-0 win, and Jonathan Taylor continued to pad his Heisman-worthy stats. Uh, he had a career-high five touchdowns last week, and he's now past the century mark rushing in 27 of 32 games he's played at there in uh, Madison. So uh, the top back in the nation, um, without a doubt right now. And as he goes, so so go the Badgers. Um, but the defense is also uh, the best in the country right now. And they registered their third shutout of the season for the first time since, I think, going back to 1937. So the Badgers are doing it on both sides of the football right now. That being said... Uh, this game has been pretty close in the past. Um, in fact, Michigan State is 4-1 against the spread in its last five against the Badgers. And Wisconsin is just 3-9 and nine against the spread in their last 12 following a win. So we're going against the tide on this one a little bit. Uh, the line has been going up. I think when we posted, it was Wisconsin by 10.5. It's been going up to 11 in some sports books. Uh, the Dunkel margin has this one at seven and a half. So we think, unlike against Ohio State, Sparty can keep this one close enough, keep it a defensive battle, and uh, come out of Camp Randall at least um, proud of the effort uh, to keep it under the spread. Next up, we have a game that is somewhat iconic in NCAA football. That is USC at Notre Dame. USC is 3-2 overall, 2-3 and three against the spread, and number 26 in the index. Notre Dame, 4-1 overall, 4-1 and one against the spread, and number 16 in the index. The line here is Notre Dame by 11. What do you see? Yeah, iconic is right. I mean, you can still see visions of Lou Holtz and John McKay and John Robinson and Ara Parsegan you know, walk in the sidelines uh, at a big USC-Notre Dame game. This one doesn't have quite that feel to it. In fact, it's kind of weird that this game is being played this week and there's not much talk about it. Um, the only talk really of late has been who's going to be playing quarterback there at USC. Uh, they've had a rash of injuries that we've talked about in weeks past, and looks like they're going to get Keaton Slovis back uh, after he suffered that concussion uh, in um, against uh, uh, who was it against I can't remember. Utah, Utah again uh, back in September. So you know he when he was healthy he played well and he had that big game against Stanford and was Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week. So you know that could give USC a little bit of a shot in the arm, but. Right now, they, they look like they're going to just be outclassed by Notre Dame. Notre Dame, uh, ironically, I think got a lot out of a loss. Um, that game against Georgia a couple weeks back where, where they really held their own against 
the Bulldogs. They were a fairly hefty underdog, two touchdown underdog, kept it within six points. That seems to have given Brian Kelly's team a, a little shot in the arm. And last week, they just mowed over Bowling Green uh, 52 to nothing. I think Ian Book had five TD passes uh, in just a little more than two quarters of play. And the defense registered its first shutout since 2014. So Notre Dame looks to be clicking on all cylinders right now. USC has kind of been having a revolving door at quarterbacks. Uh, the Trojans are just one and nine against the spread in their last 10 non-conference games. And uh, the Irish have taken full advantage of USC in recent years at home. They're 4-1 against the spread in their last five games against the Trojans in South Bend. So this one is a uh, Vegas line of Notre Dame by 11. Uh, we like the Irish to cover. Dunkel margin is 13.5. So we will take the uh, Fighting Irish to uh, win and win comfortably against the Trojans on Saturday. So let's move now to Penn State at Iowa. Penn State's 5-0 and overall, 3-2 and against the spread. They're number six in the index. The Hawkeyes are 4-1 and overall, 2-3 and against the spread, and they're number 11 in the index. The line in this one is Penn State by four. What do you think? Yeah, we got schwacked last week with our pick of the Hawkeyes over Michigan in Ann Arbor. Um, Iowa had a real chance to kind of put itself into the national picture, much like Florida against Auburn. But unlike the Gators, the Hawkeyes missed that opportunity. And kind of the same story for Iowa. Um, the defense showed up, played a great game, held the Wolverines to just 10 points. Wolverines didn't score any uh, during the last three quarters, but the offense just could not generate any momentum, only ended up uh, putting up three points, gave up eight sacks, and suffered four turnovers. Uh, had some decent field position uh, late in the game that could have tied it or maybe even pulled out the win, but Nate Stanley and, and the offense just couldn't get it done. So Iowa suffers its, its first loss of the season and now has to follow that up by playing a Nittany Lion team that is, you know, I think very much in the picture too. Um, at 5-0, and uh, they thoroughly dominated Purdue last week. It, it, it was a Boilermaker team that was pretty beat up. They've been having problems at quarterback, keeping their QB healthy. But uh, they held the Boilermakers to just 104 yards total offense and minus 19 on the ground. So uh, I think they also ended up recording 10 sacks, which was just one off of the school record. So James Franklin's team uh, has got a nice quarterback back there in Sean Clifford. The defense is really playing well right now. Not a good time even for Iowa at home to be facing this team with an offense that's having trouble generating much, much of anything right now. So Penn State comes in with a 19-9-1 record against the spread in their last 29 Big Ten games. And Iowa's just 2-5 and five against the spread in their last seven Big Ten games. So this one clearly favors Penn State coming in. As you said, the line's only four uh, there in Iowa City. We see that as too low. The Dunkel margin is at 11. So we think Penn State can go on the road here and come come out of Iowa with a pretty sizable victory. 
All right, and that brings us to our final game, which is quite the road trip. It's Hawaii at Boise State. Yeah. Boise. Hawaii is four and one overall, three and two against the spread, and number eighty-two in the index. Boise, five and zero oh overall, three and one against the spread, and number twenty-nine in the index. So the line here is just Boise State by eleven and a half. What do you think? Well, you got to like the late night Saturday games, right? Because when all these other games crash and burn, you can put it all on. Hawaii-Boise State to try to win it back. Um, a lot of times it's when Hawaii's at home and it's a 1 a.m. kickoff or something that you try to try to recoup all the losses. But um, this one's going to be a little earlier out there in Idaho. But good game. You know, Mountain West, Hawaii's been a, a surprise uh, coming in, 4-1, and 3-2 and two against the spread. And coming off a huge 54-3 to win at Nevada. Didn't see that one coming. Um, I think it's just their second win ever in Reno. So the Rainbow Warriors haven't tended to travel well, but they, but they did that night. And they've got a nice quarterback in Cole McDonald who threw for four TD passes and starting to bring back memories of Timmy Chang and Colt Brennan uh, when they were putting up big numbers there in Honolulu. Uh, for Boise, you know, they, they missed uh, the uh, Mountain West Championship last year, losing to Fresno State in the championship game. But Broncos look like they are committed to winning it back this year. Hank Bashmere, their quarterback, who really made a name for himself in the first week when he led that big comeback against, wait for it, Ben, who? Oh, that's right, FSU, um, the start of Willie Taggart's woes. Um, you know, he continues to to look good. He had 299 yards passing and two TDs in Boise's win at UNLV last week, 38-13. to 13. So coming into this one, the Rainbow Warriors have not uh, been a great road team. The Nevada game notwithstanding, uh, they're just 3-10-1 against the spread in their last 14 away from home. And Boise is 6-0-1 against the spread in their last seven games after allowing less than 20 points. So when the defense is rolling, uh, the Broncos tend to play well. And in this one, we see that to be the case. Uh, the Vegas line has Boise favored by only 11 and a half. I think that's dropping, probably an overreaction to Hawaii's game against Nevada two weeks ago. So we like Boise. Uh, the Dunkel margin is 14 points. So we'll take Boise to cover the 11 and a half and finish the night with a strong win. All right. And that brings us to the end of our night. Uh, where can we find you on Twitter? You can follow me at Dunkel Index and, uh, you know, check us out on Twitter. Certainly come to the website, dunkelindex.com to get all our football picks uh, for both the FBS and FCS. We've got some, some very good FCS matchups this week. Um, and we're in the midst of baseball playoffs. Uh, boy, we did hit the Cardinals Braves today, but uh, did I see a 10 run first inning coming from St. Louis? Definitely not. That one I thought was going to go down to the wire. The cards ended up winning that one. Uh, you can follow, and we, you know, we've got uh, WNBA championship tomorrow night, so we'll have our pickup for the Mystics 
and the Sun and NHL's going on. So a lot going on right now. So follow us on Twitter at Dunkle Index. Follow us at dunkleindex.com on our website. And thanks for tuning in to the podcast. All right. Sounds good. All right. See ya. See you, Ben. Bye.